As was mentioned before, my name is Laura. Uh, I'm married to Andy. I volunteer here on the youth team. Uh, I work for Youth for Christ. And this morning, uh, I get to, to spend some time with you, the honour of doing that, uh, and unpacking the second se- uh, session in our series of A Walk in Their Shoes. Uh, this morning, we are looking at the character of the woman at the well. And each week, as I said before, we are kind of giving a character a pair of shoes. Uh, and this week, the shoes that we are giving our character are these. A pair of heels. Now, I, uh, I just want to talk about heels for a moment because I have a real love-hate relationship with heels. I do wear heels, um, but I also really hate them too. And uh, there will be people in this room, I'm sure, who wear heels and will say they're just so comfortable. You know, I just feel so good when I wear them. Honestly, I don't know if I do it wrong, but I do not agree. Uh, I'm not sure whether my feet are too narrow, the arches in my feet are too high, or I buy cheap shoes. It could be all three things, in all honesty, but I do not find these shoes comfortable. Um, Let me give you an example of perhaps the average wedding that I might attend. So, I start the day looking great. Uh, My shoes are on, I feel wonderful. From afar, I'm smashing it. Uh, You kind of get through the service, but by the end of the service, you kind of just, something doesn't quite feel right. You kind of feel a bit uncomfortable, not quite sure what's going on. Maybe my shoes feel a little bit tight. And so I start having to do things in order to kind of make my feet a bit more comfortable. As the day goes on, they begin to hurt more, rub in places. I feel like I've got foot cramp. Uh, And my walk begins to change. Um, Maybe I just start leaning on things to try and take the weight off of my shoes. If I'm with someone, I kind of start gripping onto them, hoping that they'll just take the pain away. Um, Sometimes, even, uh, you get to the the reception where you're there for a meal, and there'll be a moment where no one can see, and I just take my shoes off underneath the table where it's all very dignified because no one knows, because by this point, my feet are actually beginning to burn, and uh, and, and I've got some blisters starting and all this kind of thing, and I will do all these different things, all these different techniques to avoid the inevitable moment where my shoes are going to come off at some point in the day because I just can't take the pain anymore. And you see it, you see it uh, at the end of a wedding. Often women uh, will be there either with flip-flops uh, that they have been provided with uh, by the very generous bridal groom, or they've just abandoned all hope and women are just running around in their bare feet having a lovely time. Um, but there's something about that moment. There's something about that moment when your heels come off because it makes a statement. It's this moment where you go, do you know what? I don't even care how things appear anymore. It's this like moment of vulnerability. I'm done with looking good. I just know that underneath my shoes, there is pain. That pain needs to be dealt with and I need to feel free from it. And it's just this moment of vulnerability and indignity. And then later on in the evening, you feel genuinely free and you're having a great time. My worst one of these moments almost undignified, um, was when uh, a few years ago, uh, my husband and I, we went out into Liverpool uh, in the evening and it was around Christmas time. So it was a nightmare trying to get a taxi home. And uh, we went to the place where you get a taxi and the queue was long and we were, I'm not even joking, maybe we were there for an hour, hour and a half. And it was cold. And at the start of the evening, I looked great. But at this point, I was in pain. And I thought, that's it, I'm done. 
I'm done, the shoes are coming off. So I stood there on a street corner in Liverpool with my shoes in my hand, and it was so cold, I had to put Andy's socks on. So I'm stood there in a dress, men's socks, shoes in my hand, going, do you know what, I don't even care. I just want the pain to go. And it's this moment that we're talking about today, this moment of going, the shoes have to come off. I'm done with avoiding the moment where the shoes are coming off. And today we're looking at the character of the woman at the well. Um, And I just want to spend a few minutes thinking through what does it look like to walk in her shoes? What did her walk look like up to this point? So we're going to read some verses together. There's quite a lot of verses. So I'm going to read to you. You maybe get comfortable uh, and we will have a look at the verses we have today. So uh, this is John 4 verses 3 to 20. So he... He is Jesus. Uh, So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks from this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Well, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. "Uh, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. This is the awkward moment. You're right, you don't have a husband, for you had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me. Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while the Samaritans claim that it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Well done. Got through the verses. That's fantastic. I want to just spend a few minutes looking at this woman's walk because up to this point, this woman's walk was tough. She had a tough gig and she had a tough gig in three particular areas. Her, Her walk was tough spiritually, her walk was tough socially and her walk was tough relationally. And so first of all, spiritually. You see, um, in this passage, uh, you, you read about the fact that uh, this woman is a Samaritan and Jesus is a Jew. And uh, for those of you who may have been uh, around church a little while, you will know that Jews and Samaritans, they didn't always get on that well. Um, the reason for that is because uh, around 600 BC, a long, long time ago, um, Jesus, uh, uh, sorry, Jesus, uh, the Babylonians, uh, a, a nation um, right next to these guys, came in and conquered Jerusalem. And within that, they actually uh, conquered the Jewish people. And the Babylonians were really clever in how they conquered a nation. You see, what they did was they came in and they found who was really good, like who was on point. And they, uh, they would take the guys who were excellent, they would take them out of the culture that they had conquered and take them back into their own culture. So if you guys... Uh, 
are familiar maybe with a guy in the, in the Bible called Daniel. That's exactly what happened to him. He was taken somewhere else because he was great. What happened was the average guys, the average guys got left behind. The average guys stayed where they were apart from the Babylonians then brought their nation into that country and intermarried with them to destroy their culture internally. And so uh, this is what began to happen. Uh, the, the Babylonians began to marry some of the Jews, but a lot of the Jews, they knew that this was what God had for them. And so they said, no, we're not doing this. And at great cost, they sort of stood up against this. But not all of the Jews did. So some of the Jews married Babylonians and they had children and families and they were really looked down upon by the other Jews. These were the guys that compromised. These were the guys that didn't take things seriously enough. The guys that were weak, the guys that gave in. These were the Samaritans. This is where this kind of group of people came from. And so, so if you were a Samaritan, you were seen as sort of being spiritually second class. You are the guys whose ancestors compromised. You are the guys who, whose ancestors gave in. This kind of half-breed nation. And so this woman, as a Samaritan, spiritually would have been like uh, at the, on the bottom rung. She, her, her generation, um, her sorry, ancestors, they were kind of the disappointment. And so the fact that a Jew would address a Samaritan, that was a really big deal. But not only was she at the bottom of the ladder spiritually, socially, she was right at the bottom of the ladder as well. You see, women weren't thought of well in this culture. And um, in fact, they were thought of really badly. And I need to be really clear that I don't believe that that's God's heart, but it was what was true in culture at the time. Uh, To the point, in fact, that there's a book uh, called the Talmud, and it's like a Jewish prayer book. And in the Jewish prayer book, um, men would pray these prayers, and this was a prayer that was in this book. Um, Blessed are you, O God, who is king of the universe, who has not made me a Gentile, so someone who isn't a Jew, a slave, or a woman. Ooh. <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't like women that much. Um, even to the point that if you were a Jewish teacher, you wouldn't talk to your wife in public because that wasn't a good thing to do. Again, I would say, that I don't believe that that's God's heart, but that was culture at the time. And so this woman is spiritually on the bottom rung, socially on the bottom rung as well. But then what she did as a woman, relationally, that put her right at the bottom too. You see, there's this conversation she has with Jesus um, where he says, yeah, you're not married. You've been married five times. And you're not married to to the man that you're living with now. Relationally, her story was a story of rejection. You see, we can look at this woman and think, oh, she got around, didn't she? Five husbands and not married. We could think that, but do you know, again, the culture of the time is really important to understand in this passage. You see, women didn't have any rights. And so a man could divorce his wife for pretty much anything he fancied. She burnt the dinner, divorce. I mean, I'm really grateful that isn't the case now, I've got to be honest. Uh, But that's how it operated. If she didn't give him children, they could divorce. So it could be that she was infertile, never provided anybody with any children, and so everybody divorced her. And so her story is this story of pain and rejection. Spiritually, socially, relationally. Her walk would have caused her shoes to rub would have caused issues, would have caused pain. And in this verse, in this passage, she's invited to the well and invited for a moment where the shoes come off. 
to be totally vulnerable before Jesus, meeting Jesus face to face and him kind of beginning to press into some of that stuff that had caused her pain. And I wonder whether this morning um, Jesus might invite us to that face-to-face encounter, to that moment where the shoes come off. You see, I wonder whether for some of us here today, there are things in our walk up to this point that have caused our shoes to rub a little and maybe affected the way that we walk. It could be that yours is a story of rejection, that you have kind of issues and hurts and pains that are from relationships. It may be issues around shame. There may be things going on in your life now that you know that is not what Jesus has called your life to look like. It may be that you're in a relationship that's actually really unhealthy, and you know God doesn't want it but you're just going to keep walking and avoid that moment the shoes have to come off. It could be that maybe there is an addiction. It could be that there is something around your identity. It could be that there are just these little things in you that you know if you're really honest, even though they're only tiny rubs now, that that is not something that God wants for you. And I would love to invite you this morning to a moment at the well where you have the opportunity to take your shoes off and have your wounds healed. Now, That could be the end of my talk this morning. Um, I could send us all home early and everyone have a lovely time. But unfortunately, I'm not that nice. So I'm going to keep going. You see, I believe that there is also a third character in this story. We look at the story um, of Jesus. We look at the story of the woman at the well, so the woman herself. But I want to talk about a third character here that doesn't necessarily get a lot of airtime, understandably, really, because that character is the well itself. Now, um, this is a picture uh, that's going to come up in a second um, of a very similar... Yeah, sorry, I keep skipping through that. I didn't, I didn't do that bit. Um, yeah, 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 just keep going. There's a picture of a well there somewhere. Just keep, keep pressing through. So there's a picture of a well that will come up in a second. This is it. Thank you so much. And this is similar to the well that they think Jacob would have built. Um, This is not the well that Jacob built. That well well now has a church built over it and it looks nothing like this. Um, But but Jacob, the the guy who who built this well, um, built it for a reason. And the reason that he built it is really, really important. Um, You see, in this passage, Jesus talks to the woman at the well about living water. And we're going to read the verses for that in a second. Um, But it seems like a weird thing to say. When you're trying to introduce someone to God for the first time, why does Jesus start talking about this living water sort of thing? Um, And you don't understand that until you understand the well. I think uh, we may have the verses come up for that, uh, where Jesus uh, talks about the living well in 9 and 12. Do we have that? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can your offer be? Uh, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Now, I want to talk to you for a moment about this well. You see, Jacob was the grandson of a guy called Abraham, and Abraham uh, was kind of the, the, the person that God spoke to about founding the Jewish nation. From you, this whole nation will be born, and he is thought of in such high esteem. Um, 
kind of the opposite spiritually, I guess, to how this Samaritan woman would have been seen. Um, And his grandson Jacob digs this well. Now, the well that he dug was a really deep well. Um, But what would have happened is it was kind of effectively like this hole in the ground, I guess. And in the rainy seasons, the rain would have come down and filled this well up. Uh, And in the dry seasons, then, that water obviously would be drunk, but also it would dry out. And so when it was really hot and things were really, really you know, at the point where you need some water, often what would happen is wells like this would dry out and there would be no water in them. And even when they weren't dry out, the water would sit there stagnant. Um, And so actually, although this is a very well thought of well in terms of who built it, the water itself isn't that great quality. And, um, And Jesus starts talking about this idea of living water. Now, the reason he does that is that there was a second type of well that was very popular at the time. And this well, uh, this kind of well came from a natural spring. And so it would be a spring in the ground that maybe came down from a mountain. There was continually water there. It was running water. It was fresh water. It was always available. And definitely the first class choice above the kind of well that Jacob dug. And so Jesus offers to this woman, wouldn't you rather have this, this living water, this fresh water? And what had happened is that she had been operating in this place of avoiding the moment, operating in this place of pain and damage. And spiritually, I believe, Jesus is kind of making a point of going, while you're operating with this stuff in your life, actually, there's only going to be a certain amount of freshness that you can have. You're only going to be operating out of a certain level of fresh and running water. Actually, the place that you're going to start operating from is kind of stale and kind of dry because you're not letting me have access to everything. Now, the the really interesting thing, the fascinating thing for me about this story is that um, if this well was the only option, that would have made loads of sense. Like, it's kind of rubbish water, um, and the woman kind of needs a drink, and so she goes here. The interesting thing is that this well is actually surrounded by loads of natural springs. In the area, there are loads of them. It's a really common thing. And so why on earth, in an area where there are loads of natural springs, would Jacob bother to build this well, which was actually a second-class kind of water? Well, the reason for that is that Jacob himself, when he built this well, was avoiding a moment of encounter himself. This well represents a whole generation of stories of people avoiding this moment of intimacy with God, of kind of their pain being addressed. So if you go back to Genesis 32, there's a passage there where you see, um, it, it's very subtle, but it, it's the, it's, that's where it is, uh, where Jacob was supposed to have, have built this well. And what's really interesting is that this, and this isn't a surprise, <laughs> before Genesis 33 becomes Genesis 32. Who knew? Um, and in Genesis 32, there's this moment with Jacob. Now, Jacob's story is fascinating. Jacob was born, clearly, uh, and he was a twin. And he was born uh, with twins with this guy called Esau. And Esau, his twin, came out first. Uh, And Jacob was like, I think it said like grasping onto the heel of his twin as they entered the world. You can imagine. Well, don't imagine. But it happened. And um, 
they were both born, and all the way through their life, Jacob is kind of wrestling with his brother, um, his older brother, because Jacob wants all that his older brother has got. And so he cons his older brother Esau out of everything that is supposed to be his inheritance. Jacob takes it. He cons him out of the blessing that his dad should have given Esau as the older brother. Jacob takes it. And so you can see that there is this tension, this unresolved issue in their relationship until you get to Genesis. Genesis 32. You see, all through Jacob's life, he's been avoiding the moment when the shoe comes off in that relationship, avoiding the pain, the blisters, the cramp, the discomfort that has been caused through this relationship. And then you hit Genesis 32, and the two are reunited. But the night before this moment of vulnerability, when the two are reunited, something happens first. There's this moment where the shoes have to come off before God, before the shoes can come off before his brother. He needs to address his issues face to face with God before he can address his issues with his brother. And so there is this moment that I love reading about in Genesis 32 where Jacob wrestles with, and in the passage it says an angel of the Lord. Some people actually believe that this is Jesus. And they wrestle all night. They're fighting Jacob and this guy. And um. As a part of this wrestle, Jacob's hip pops out. And so literally from this moment on, his walk is different. This stuff that he's been holding for years around who he is, who he should have been, this bitterness, this fear with his brother, rejection, all this stuff is wrestled through with God. And the next morning, he goes and has this shoes off moment of vulnerability with his brother. And then in Genesis 33, he, makes, he builds this well. Now, the interesting thing is that he may have well have, have had this vulnerable shoes off moment with God. He may well have had this vulnerable shoes off moment with his brother. But actually, even the next day, Jacob is still avoiding encounters, still avoiding pain and difficulty. This time, he's avoiding the other people that live in this land. And that is why this well is built out of avoiding something. Because he didn't want to have to go to the natural springs where everybody else went. So he built his own well so that he could avoid that moment in encounter with everybody else. And the result is that he drank from water that was stale and that ran dry because he didn't want to have to deal with this moment where the shoes came off and he was completely undone and vulnerable. And so I wonder what might this encounter look like for us this morning? What might a moment at the well look like for us? What might it look like for us to really ask God, God, is there stuff in me, the walk that I've been on, where areas have started to rub, areas of discomfort that I know just aren't quite right, that that I know you want access to, but up to this moment, I've just been doing coping mechanisms to avoid that shoes off moment. What if this morning we gave God that chance? You see, both Jacob and the woman at the well, up to this point, had a really painful walk. But this encounter at the well with Jesus, it changed their walk forever. Um, The result of this encounter is fantastic. Uh, I want to read from um, verses uh, 25 to 30, John 4, 25 to 30. Um, And this is what it says. The woman said... I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. 
When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came to see him, streaming, sorry, people came streaming from the village to see him. You know, uh, the amazing thing about this passage is that the very people that she was trying to avoid became the very people that she was sent to to change their walks. You see, God can't transform what you avoid and God can't pour into who you pretend to be. There has to be a moment before Jesus when we are totally real and let Jesus deal with some of the stuff that's been rubbing on our walk. And I wonder this morning if we met Jesus at the well, if we maybe handed him our shoes and said, Jesus, this has been my walk. What does it look like for you to walk in my shoes? I wonder, could the very thing that has been causing you discomfort the very thing that you've been trying to avoid actually be the very thing that Jesus wants to use to change the lives of the people around you? What if the thing that you have been avoiding might be the thing that impacts others, that might be the thing that enable other people to take off their shoes and be set free from the pain that they've been carrying? You see, the story of the woman at the well is this really rich story. A story where this well stretches back into ancient past, um, operates in this woman's present, but I also believe this well stretches into her future, into today, to offer a moment at the well, an encounter where our shoes come off. And it might be for some of you here this morning that you're sitting there thinking, do you know what, I haven't got any massive issues. I'm not somebody who like has all these obvious like damage. And I think... If you're sitting here this morning and thinking, I've got no big stuff going on, I'm actually fine, I would actually push you to look a little deeper. You see, my last one of these moments, moments where the, the shoes came off, was actually uh, in the new year. And um, up to this point, I had this thing about being a leader. I really struggled with people seeing me as a leader, people referencing. I just, I don't know. You, I mean, there are, I'm sure there are all sorts of issues underneath it. But, but I really struggled with it. And uh, it all came to a head um, in the new year. God provided me, I guess, with a well moment. And uh, we went to this, this conference that we were helping lead. Uh, <laughs> it was a conference for leaders. And... Um, my face was used on the banner for this, this conference. And so there was um, the promotion. It was like my face on something with leaders written underneath it. And I thought, oh, man, if they only knew what, like, this, what a horrible mistake they've made by putting my face on there with leaders underneath. And um, all the way through the conference, there's a banner with it on, and it's like the holding screen. And I'm sitting there the whole time like, oh. I can't even look at the screens. This is awful. And I knew in my reaction to that, that Jesus was providing me with a well moment, that this was a thing that rubbed for me, a little bit of my identity that didn't sit in the way that I knew deep down Jesus would want it to. But there was no way that my shoes were coming off in that moment. No way, Jose, not that day. So I sat there and I just dealt with it <clears throat> until the evening. And a friend of mine was there in the evening and he came up to me and um, it's like, Lord, I just feel like God's got a word for you. And shared this word. 
And it was, I genuinely wondered if he'd been following me around for like the past six months and I just not noticed. Like it was a moment where Jesus went, no, I'm giving you a moment right now to address this rub. Come on, take your shoes off. And so there was this moment. This moment where I thought, you know what, this is the worst because I'm actually with leaders and with people that I'm supposed to be leading. This isn't convenient. But there was just a moment where my shoes, they had to come off. There was no choice because I knew that God has got a walk for me in the same way that God has got a walk for you. And the thing so often that determines our walk is the condition of our feet. Jesus sets the walk out before you, but you get to look after your feet. And so this morning, I want to provide us, I guess, with a moment at the well. A moment where if you have the courage, you can take off your shoes And let Jesus tend to some of the rubs and blisters and pain. Maybe that moment that you've been trying to avoid. And so could I ask everybody to stand, please, if you're able. And I'm just going to leave. I know silence can seem awkward, but I really want this to be a Jesus spoke to you thing rather than the synth was nice thing. So um, I'm going to just leave a few moments of silence And I would love you, even if you've never prayed before, maybe just in your head, just say to God, God, is there anything that you want access to in me this morning? And so I'd invite you to close your eyes, to not be distracted. I'm the most easily distracted person in the world. And ask God the question, is there anywhere that my shoes need to come off so that you can access what's going on underneath? And we're just going to wait for a moment. Jesus, we want to give you total access this morning. We recognize that wherever we are at with you, that you have a walk for us. And that our role is to tend to our feet. (laughs) And so God... For some of us in this space now, we want to take off our shoes and offer you what's going on underneath. A moment of vulnerability, maybe a moment of indignity, to say that we're done. We're done pretending, we're done with what it looks like. And what we want is a face-to-face encounter with you.